Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toladano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sarge, High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again! Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. What's up? This is Michael Rappaport. You are now listening to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Coming up next, the great DJ Premier. You are now listening to a podcast, but it's going to feel like a documentary. DJ Premier is rocking with me. We're talking about some of the biggest best most exciting most challenging songs he's ever made we're talking gangstar we're talking manifest step into the arena we're talking about working with jay-z on the reasonable doubt album we're talking about working with nas on illmatic nas is like new york state of mind biggie smalls dj Premier produced unbelievable 10 crack commandments kicking the door we're talking about one of my favorite hip-hop songs ever come clean by j rue the damager, and so much more. I'm telling you right now, people, I am telling you right now. It's the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, but it should be called the I Am Rappaport Documentary with the great, one-of-a-kind DJ Premier coming up next. Miles Jordan, let me get something funky. I wanted it. The people wanted it. What more is there to say? Let's do it. DJ Premier on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. All Buttersoft I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t-shirts are available at districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. That is districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. We got the Sucker Shit t-shirt coming out in white. We got a beautiful design 
Okay, me and G Moody, the cartoon versions. We have the Wasteland t-shirt. We have the Stickman 33 t-shirt coming. All Buttersoft I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast t-shirts are available at districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. One, two, one, two, one, two, and the place to be, DJ Premier, is in deep concentration on the motherfucking I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. There it is. I can't tell you how excited I am to talk to you. I, uh, I'm breaking rule number one of the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I had to fact check <laughs> and get all my notes together because when I was getting ready to start doing this... I started listening to like so many different premiere songs right. and, and I had to zero in because I, I can't do the you know the life and times right. of DJ Premier in just one podcast. So I appreciate you, you rocking with me. No doubt. I always catch you at Knicks games. Catch me at Knicks whenever games. I'm, whenever I'm blessed to get uh, some floor seats. And yeah. <laughs> and, and, and once you once you sit on the floor, it's it's hard you to don't go back. Sit nowhere else. You know what's crazy? The first time I met you in person, Come Clean had just come out. Wow. Shout out to Jay Rue. And I saw you at the tunnel, mm. and I introduced myself to you, and I said, yo, that come clean shit. And you were like, J. Rue's right here. And he had his shit wrapped, and you guys were smoking, <laughs> and I was just like, what the fuck? Needless to say, I'm a huge fan. I've been a huge fan Appreciate for a long it. time. So <clears throat> how does it work with you? Let's say there's a new, a new rapper. His mm. name's White Mike Rapper. Right. You know, like it's me. Mm. And I'm like, all right, Premier, you've heard me rock. You've heard me do my thing. How, how do we make a song? Let's say you think I'm talented. Mm -hmm. So we, we agree to rock. We meet. We talk on the phone. Yeah, let's come. I come mm -hmm. to the studio. I come to the compound here. What do we do when I get to the studio at this point in your career? Because, you know, I'm sure it's changed and evolved with different mm -hmm. people, different artists, different people you become comfortable with. So yeah. what do we do in 2018? <clears throat> You're like, yo, this kid's got skills. I'm going to do a single with him. Um, for me, I always approach it in two ways. As a fan that wishes that he could do do this as a producer and then i also also approach it as a dj a, a, a real dj not, not not a robot dj robot djs have to be told what to do and they have to do what it, and do what they're told absolutely uh, but both ways told what to do and do what they're told <laughs> you know you gotta put them both together absolutely I'm I'm one of it's like a sports fan. I'm like, man, why would he run that play, man? I would have fucking thrown an op done an option on that. Okay. Even though options are, are in college and not really in, in the pros. But you know, but that's how I am with my approach. It's the same way. It's like, man, if I could learn how to work that through what is he using to make it sound so dope like that? If I can learn it, I guarantee I can interpret a dope style from my perspective of what it should sound like if given the opportunity and which is how my demo got heard by Guru <clears throat> and he liked my production and just the, my overall uh, style of how my demo was made. Okay. And from there, once I got to, after the first Gangster album, the first one I didn't understand how to produce so we used to do it all together. It was me, Guru, and our, our engineer Slomo Sonnenfeld. Okay. And we had uh, Such a Sound Studios in Brooklyn and uh, I used to see King of Chill there mixing MC Light stuff. And I'd be like, yo, where's MC Light and everybody? He's like, they already did their recordings. And I'm like, 
So why are you by yourself? He said, well, once they record, then I produce and mix it. And I'm like, so what does that, what, what does a producer do? He's like, I thought a producer just made the beat. I didn't know it. You are coaching vocals, arrangement. Nah, I don't like that. I think you should say it over, you know, things like that, which is also uh, I'm very critical of. So all of that, and once I knew that that's what a producer is, I'm like, well, I'm that because I'm very vocal in telling you how I feel. So I'm like, all right, let me start to practice more. So by the second Gangstar album, Step in the Arena, when Just to Get a Rep and all that came out, <clears throat> I started to really say, you know what, I could do this and I'm ready for anybody. Okay. More like 92, when, when, when KRS called, you know, then I was really, really ready. So that's when you first started feeling like you, you understood what you were doing. But I mean, the first, I get it because it's your first record. You probably have criticism of it, but mm. let me jump right into it. And I was too cocky, too. I, I wanted to beat up the, the, the engineer because I was like, hey, I want to set up my turntables. I brought the whole coffin with me from Texas to New York. He's like, well, you're not going to be doing that. Then he's from Israel. He's like, you're not going to be doing that uh, until later. And I'm like, who the fuck you talking to? And, and man, I'll, I'll fuck shit. And Guru's like, dude, like, you no, know, you don't understand. However you were doing your demos, we don't do that like that in the studio. You can do scratches five days from now. And I'm like, you can? Because we used to do it everything on the spot. Lay the scratches, lay the vocal, lay everything, and it's a done done deal. He's like, nah, in the studio, you can punch in. You can, stuff I just didn't With the first in. album, you were that unaware of the technicality? That unaware, totally. totally. All right, so so I believe, and it's such a fucking long time ago. Yeah. You know, we're, we're getting older. years. We, we ain't old, but we're getting older. Yeah, I'm 52, man. It's crazy. So, like, I'll just start. Like, you know, the jump-off song that I think I remember first, and it, and it could be wrong, but the jump-off song, I think, and, and let me just say this. There's no way that I'm going to be able to get to the life and times of all the production <laughs> of Premiere, and there's no way I'm going to be able to get to the life and times of all the production of Gangstar. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick and choose some joints and talk so, to you about it's it. It's on you. And then we're going to talk about the Prime record. We're going to talk about the uh, Which Way Is West record and all that. But, like, the jump-off joint... Manifest. Mm -hmm. When you listen to that now, do you hear flaws? Like it, it worked at the time. You know, Guru was like, I was like, is this where's this motherfucker from? Because he sounds like New York. It's like you could kind of hear a spinge of. Is that a Boston accent? Like what the fuck mm -hmm. is going on? So when when you listen to that song now, what do you remember about that time and about the making of specifically Manifest? Well, Manifest, the original demo is the album version, which is Words I Manifest. Right. And if you look on the, you know, obviously all of our remixes that came out as 12-inch singles, they re-added those to the, if you buy No Moments Tonight's Guy Now, all of our remixes are also on there. And it just says Manifest Remix. It doesn't say Words I Manifest. Honestly, the original version is what I made when I met Guru, and I said I'll send him some beats that I was going to make. And he liked that one. And I remember, you know, I never met a rap artist in my life. So I was so excited to meet him because when I was staying in New York uh, at my grandfather's, I used to listen to uh, WBLS and 98.7 Kiss and Awesome 2 and tape all their shows. Go back to Texas and be like, yo, I got all the new rap stuff from New York. Because it was a big deal to say you got the latest hip hop. So uh, when we did the original words I manifest, Craig G was at his apartment and now he was like, yo, Craig G is here. And I was a juice crew. Not was, I am a juice crew junkie. So he was, he was like, you want to say what's up to him? I'm just like, man, I'm about to pass the fuck out. <laughs> Craig G, you know, and, and Craig knows the story, you know, so then, uh, 
He talked to me, he said, yo, these beats are dope, man. And so from him even saying it's dope, I'm like, yo, we about to get popping. So when we did the original album version and we and Stu Fine, who owned Wild Wild Bitch Records, was like, yo, uh, Marley Maul's going to start the show Friday with, with the song. We were just like, man, that's my idol, you know, it's Marley. So um, <clears throat> when that came out, and it started to buzz. Stu was like, yo, I want to do a video to this. But he said, I don't think this version has enough energy. He said, is there any way that we could actually just redo it with more excitement, more everything to it? I was like, cool. And what'd you do to the song to change it? Well, for one, added, and, you know, we sped it up. No, we sped it up. Uh, we added uh, like a whole intro. Like like now when it goes, dun, 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 it goes, Ow, 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 and then it gather around and then dun, 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 dun. it plays for a minute before right. the vocals kick in and uh not only that we didn't have automation back then so the part where he says stop think for a moment okay we had to all line up side by side and hit the buttons together think for a moment okay and that's what we did about 20 takes because every time we say stop think for a moment okay and sway we would I, you know we might hit one button too quick or one too late start it again you know start it again start it again guarantee it was about 20 takes about the 20th one we were high-fiving quietly because we still haven't finished the mix is still running but we're like got it you know like little kids that's fucking dope that's <laughs> yeah, fucking dope. definitely 20 takes that's fucking dope. Yeah. Um, Thank God for automation. <laughs> that, I mean, and the technology has changed so much. Yeah. Which I want to get to. And, yeah. and like I said, I'm really trying to keep my head together because I don't want to, there's no way to do the life and times. <laughs> um, and it's crazy. Uh, um, it, it, like, I don't know if it's today, recently, a couple of days ago, uh, uh, 20 year anniversary mm -hmm. of Moment of Truth. Of Moment of Truth. Yeah. And. First of all, I don't know who keeps track of these fucking things. Like now you can have an anniversary like, oh, this is the, you know, 30, 33 years ago to this day, I stubbed mm -hmm. my toe and got stitches. And I'm like, yeah. we're, we're, you know, 20 years ago, like this record was put out. I mean, the, the, the Gangstar catalog mm -hmm. is so, you guys would put out double records, like the fucking albums you yeah. put out, the records you put out, they were thick. They right. weren't like 10 joints. It'd be like 15 joints, right, right, 16 right. joints. Right. So twenty that was an era too, though uh, the 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 eighteen, you know, it was like how many joints you got thirty, you know, and all thirty songs would be on the uh, the CD, not even the double CD, because th then it got to a point where it's like we went back to ten. <laughs> but <laughs> you know? right, but but and, you know, going back to the first record again, because I said DJ Premier is in deep concentration. Mm. This was like your your DJ song, which this is like a dinosaur now. They yep. don't exist anymore. Yep. You know, back in the days, it was, and I say days, I don't, isn't it, shouldn't be days, it's not back in the day. Yeah. This is an ongoing debate. People yeah. say back in the day, and yeah. I'm like, it wasn't just one fucking day. No, it was, a, it, it, whole, it needs an S. Okay. It needs an S. So back in the days, mm. it would be like, whether it was the tribe song for Mr. Muhammad, you know, Red Alert had his joints on Jungle Brothers, Sammy G, Sammy B is on, on the, the cut. cut. Yeah. You know, you would always acknowledge the DJ. Your DJ premiere is in deep concentration is like these DJ songs, these DJ homage songs, DJ shadow songs. They don't. This is something yeah. that's. I was I was following the the, the blueprint. You know, Terminator X had one. Uh, UTFO with Mixmaster Ice had one. Uh, Run DMC always had a Jam Master J record. So I was like, well, you know, Eric B is on the cut and uh, Chinese arithmetic. I was like, yo, I you know we got to do everyone. I always talked about their DJ and the rhyme and always gave you know Mo loves uh, Mo loves theme on the uh, Ultra Magnetic MCs right. Critical Beatdown. Like everybody had a DJ record, so I was like, I gotta do one. 
It, I gotta do one. And that's one of like a, a very good DJ song. Because when we look back mm-hmm. on them, and I'm not going to name names, some of them I'm like, you know, you skip forward. But oh, like, yeah. they, they conjure memories. Yeah. All right, step to the arena. Mm-hmm. Give me the science of that song. When I ask you about all your songs, are you able to recall the, the samples totally. of, of all of them? Totally. Okay, so step into the arena. Give me the magic of that song. Give me the, like, the samples of that song. What do you remember about specifically that day when you, were, when you were doing that song? For one, I wanted my sound to sound dirtier because we worked at Calliope, and Latifah was working there, Jungle Brothers was working there, Daylight was working there. <clears throat> um, you know, so when I, I'd read to see where they were working, 45 King was doing a, a few things there, so uh, Ultramagnetic. So I was like, yo, I, I got to make my stuff sound more dirty like that. And what do you mean by dirty? I felt like no more, me me and Guru used to always call no more Mr. Nice Guy our resume because we we were still just getting ourselves together to be able to be partners and making a sound that was ours. With Stephanie Arena is my first time actually saying I'm doing everything, no 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 help from anybody touching the machine, just me. But establishing a sound where I wanted to be where you go, yo, Premier did that. Because when I hear Marley, I don't even have to look at the record. I can just tell that sounds like his bounce. That sounds like his echo. That sounds like his delay. Like, I, it's, you could just tell. And then when you look, it's like Marley. Or they'd say Marley Mars on whatever. It's because saying the guy, the producer's name was a big deal. Saying Howie T, saying Mantronics, you know, saying saying Larry Smith and Rick Rubin. You'd say their name, you know, and, and you know, even Russell. Russell's name was, he was part of Involved. You know? Right. So, Hearing all that, uh, again, Davey DMX, same thing. I just was like, I got to ma- be known for that, especially not being from New York and being an out-of-towner. Right. You know, and at that time, it was like if you weren't from there, you weren't getting no love, unless you were from Connecticut, Philly, Jersey. Even then, we had question marks on Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you say make the sound dirty, yeah, is it the samples? Is it some technical reverb? Vi- like, what do you, How did you create that signature Premier, specifically Gangstar, dirtiness, <clears throat> hearing, griminess. Know, hearing the bridge. When I heard the bridge, I was like, how is it sounding like that? It sounds like an old drum. It doesn't sound like the Lindrum. It doesn't sound like the TRTR-808. It doesn't sound like the, the, the 909 or the 7. It, you know, and I knew all my equipment, you know, just from being a, a junkie for— I used to build car stereos as a kid in my neighborhood when I was in Texas for— Everybody in my neighborhood, I would, I was really into, you know, drilling the holes and making sure it's neat where, where you didn't have to go. To, you know, we didn't really have car stereo places yet. You remember when the booming system era came out? It's really in our era, right? And and that became where car stereo places became mega paid mm-hmm. for making the dope systems because our our songs started being designed for systems because my era is really the big boombox. And I always had a radio everywhere I go. Even if you look at a lot of the old, if you Google image us. That radio that that it shows me and Guru together is the radio I made all my beats on, all the way to the last, uh, all the way up to full clip. That's yeah. fucking crazy. Same radio. Well, what do you radio. mean made the beats on the radio? I would uh I would run run the outputs of the drum machine into the it had a line in port, so I would run that into the back so that I could it just had to sound like you. I wanted to sound like you're walking down the street. Annoying everybody like Radio Raheem, but this is before Radio Raheem. You know, this is, but I want that type of a sound to pump 
with, with, with my name attached to it. And so specifically the dirtiness, mm-hmm. is it a texture? Is it kind of samples? Is it layering? Like, what is it? Because I don't, it, I understand it from yeah. your thing, but I'm technically. It's a combination of things because the bridge is him taking, you know, the the, the snare from from Impeach, the, the, the kicks, programming his way. But then you hear uh, make the music with your mouth and just boom, boom. It just it just sounds like it's not clean, mm-hmm. and I was just like, but it matched the city, because me being in New York way before I got into hip hop, when I stayed with my grandfather, the music matches the look. I always say that I feel like certain artists don't match the way they are with the record. Like when you look at us and you hear us, we, me and Guru, our our records matched us. EPMD, their records matched them. When you saw them, it was like, yo, their records sound like EPMD. Eric B and Rakim, they look and their music sounds like them. Uh, same thing with Shan, you know. He, he then when you saw him, his records always were good. Cool G rapping Polo, same thing. Kane, same thing. All of that was tied into my focus to be exactly like that without being a biter. Because we were from the era where, where fights would break out literally from a minor bite. Somebody would just roll them and go, yo, you bit my shit. And all of a sudden the fight broke out mm-hmm. over over sounding similar. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's how ill it was. You know, like over sounding similar. So for me, once I was, I was like, where are they getting the sounds to do that? I didn't understand it was sampling yet. Got you. I, I'm just like, where are they getting it? But I was up on my records, but I'm still not understanding how are they getting it. I didn't know they were taking pieces from old records and then just truncating the little edges and then making that their drum and their key, their, their horn and bam, and, bam, and all that stuff. I'm just like, this is how they do it. So once I figured it out, it was during the James Brown era where everybody's really heavy on James, including myself. But I was like, you know what? A lot of people don't use jazz samples. And my grandfather was a jazz uh, bass player and a trumpeter. So I was like, man, there's not a lot of vocal in here. I could start taking these and flipping them and putting hard drums to it. We weren't, you know, a lot of people like, oh, yeah, jazz rap. It's like, no, jazz rap is rapping about jazz. I was taking sounds that no one's touching and just wanting to bring them out into the forefront and start another style that just seemed like no one was really tapping. And then that became popular. Jazz sampled the bass lines and... Next thing you knew, uh, we were getting labeled as that. So that's why by the time we were on the Hard to Earn album, I was like, you know what? They keep labeling us wrong. Guru was like, yo, I'll do Jazzmatazz to, to protect Gangstar from being labeled as that. And even though we did tributes to jazz mm-hmm. with Jazz Thing and Jazz Music and the one for you know one for Spike Lee. So we so when we did that, Hard to earn. I said, I'm taking all jazz samples out and I'm going to start just doing weird space sounds mm. and weird stabs and just other stuff. And that's why I, I, I'm proud of that album because it was very just raw, stripped down, but still a, a dope album. The only one that was really melodic was Mass Appeal. One of the things you did, and I'm going to lead this into uh, uh, Jay-Z, but one of the things <sighs> you did, uh, Speak Your Cloud, is one of my favorite my songs, song. one of my favorite Gangstar songs. Yeah, I love that. It's obviously Guru... Dap and J. Ru, uh-huh. and I'm, I'm going to refer to it as a medley song, yeah. where each MC had their own beat. Mm-hmm. What was the concept behind that? Um, did you know, like, you were going to? I believe, and I'm not. I, I don't claim to know everything. I believe that was the first time that had been done. It might have been. I, you know, I don't get the. I get the times wrong. I know, I, like, on the live at the barbecue. I mean, where mm-hmm. the beat literally was like. Dap's going to rhyme to this beat, right. J-Roo's going to rhyme to this beat, Guru's going to rhyme to this beat, and it's all one song. Right. What was the concept behind that, and were those beats 
made beforehand? And who decides the order? You did so many joints where it was like Guru uh, MOP, right. uh, Guru MOP, Fat <laughs> Joe. Right. Uh, you know, so, so, but like specifically on that song, how do you decide the order? What, like the medley concept, yeah. where did that come from? For well, uh, specifically well, Speak Your Cloud. Well, speak your, well, actually, Speak Your Cloud is the second time we did it. The first time we did it was I'm the Man <clears throat> on Daily Operation in 1992 because we wanted to introduce the rest of our team to let them be heard because I, I think Molly Mall's The Symphony started this whole posse cut record uh, phenomenon because once he started doing it with The Symphony, all of a sudden, everybody's getting their whole crew on songs, and and then all of a sudden, this guest appearance thing started. It wasn't really no guest appearances during the 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 '90s and the '80s. You know, every blue blue moon. You know, you know, Spoonie G and uh, the sequence, the Monster Jam. You know, you might have the Sugar Hill meets the the Furious Five, for, but they were label mates. And, you right. Know, but overall, there was no there was no features. You know, like now when we're promoting albums, they're like, yeah, man. So you got your new album coming out. So who you got on it? And it's like, oh, we now got you have Jada to have features. Yeah, it's like it, you know. Now you gotta say, oh, yeah, I got Jada Kids, I got Fabulous, I got Jay, I got Nas. Where back then it wasn't, it wasn't no thing. So by the time the symphony became like this new phenomenon and everything, and of course, Live in the Barbecue blew us all away. You know, Scenario blew us away. We were just doing the same thing, but I just, I've always wanted to be different. Always wanted to be different. Where you, where I stand out. It's a, it's a stand out competition thing with me all the time it's still a competition thing with me so for that i was like you know what we're gonna introduce our guys but everybody's gonna get their own sound for them i think i'm very good at matching sounds to the artists okay and that's one thing I, I specialize in to this day i think that's why most of the records work when i drop them they ain't got to be platinum or anything like that but i think <clears throat> they still work when when we when we put it together to, to do what we set out to do so with Speak Your Cloud on, and back, you know, in 1990, it was really 1993, but the album came out in 94. Same thing, we just revisited again because by that time, J. Rue and them were popping on, on their own. Group, group Home had a hot single with Superstar. J. Rue was big with Come Clean and The Original and Can't Stop the Profit. So we were just bringing our family back. <clears throat> Suge was home from prison. So we were like, <clears throat> and Suge, you know, founded Gangstar with Guru. So we, we were so happy to put him back into the mix and get him back to rhyming. And, and plus, Suge taught Guru how to rap. Uh, Guru used to sing. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a singer. He could sing. That's crazy. You fucked yeah, my head with that. He's a crooner. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> I remember they have a routine when one day if you when you see Shug, who's out on tour right now with Afu and uh, J. Ru out in Europe, but I got footage of them showing this thing where they used to wear their sport coats and they take them and flip them around and then put them back on their on their body while they did a little little step. And so it'd be like off, twirl it, That's back crazy. on it, and they did and they did it like almost like remember in Five Heartbeats <laughs> yep. uh, when, when they when they all linked back up at the end. And yeah, they yeah, like, yeah. Let's see if we can still do our moves. It was like that, but they did it exactly like if they did it back in the 80s. That's, so, that's some bug yeah. footage. And then Suge was rapping, but, you know, Suge was in the street getting in a lot of trouble. And it got to a point where Guru just took took the reins and just got better than Suge, you know. So, but when he came home, we were just like, yo, we got to kind of re-educate you into how to, how to you know, do it the way these guys are doing it. Because now Guru finally got became a master at rhyming, and he's always been a great writer. And then the next thing you would know, they were popping. Uh, we were all popping as the Gangstar Foundation. But specifically with, with Speak Your Cloud and I'm the Motherfucking Man, mm -hmm. with each <clears throat> MC having a different song, did you craft the beats in the studio? Yeah, everything's on the spot. 
everything's on the spot. So and you're still, fucking around. Like, and so what, what's the tools you're using at the time? Um, by that time, I was on the, the Akai MPC-60 because my engineer, Eddie Sancho, I had met, uh, thanks to Showbiz from DITC and Showbiz and AG, um, Lord Finesse was on his second album, and uh, he had a song called Return of the Funky Man. He was doing the remix to it. Showbiz was like, yo, I need you to come lay scratches on this remix. I did a new beat to it. And I was like, all right, cool. He said, well, I'm going to meet you. <clears throat> he said, oh, some studio called D&D. And I was like, all right, I'll meet you down there. Went to D&D because I was always working in Brooklyn at uh, Such a Sound and at Firehouse. And uh, this is my first you know, New York studio in the city. And uh, <clears throat> when I get there, Eddie Sancho is, it wasn't freelance then. He was one of the employees. And uh. they, they just said, Eddie, uh, do this session. Once I got there, Showbiz had to leave. And he was like, yo, when y'all mix it, can you just make sure you get me a cassette copy? Of course, a cassette you know, mix it. It was still a cassette, and you know, and that, that, it wasn't like burn, we weren't burning CDs yet. And then uh, I said, "Yeah, I'll bring it to you later on." So I had a dope sound system in my Mazda MPV <clears throat> that I'm very known for. From Funk Master Flex, and we're just talking about how I, everybody in New York knew my 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 vehicles. And uh, so I popped it in there to hear the mix, and it was so right and pumping. I said, "This is where I'm gonna do my next album." Uh, so that's how I ended up going to D and D. I was like, you know what? I was gonna do it at Calliope. I'm gonna do it here. So, because if it sounds like that, I already can premeditate how it's gonna sound when I apply these new beats to this. I was still on the SP twelve hundred as well, which was the go to back in the eighties, all the way into the early nineties. <clears throat> but my engineer Eddie. Was like yo, well he became my engineer and he left. He quit TND and became just a freelancer because we was hiring him so much. But he was like yo, man, I'm looking at the way you lay your beats down, and you should use the MPC sixty. And I was like, nah, I'm good with the SP. He's like, yeah, but the way you're doing it, you could use this because this is almost like a tape machine without the tape. And he's like, let me show you how you could divide the tracks up. Once he showed me, I was like, damn, that is cool. I said, damn, I need to buy one. He said, I'll sell you mine. Uh. Money was was popping at the time, you know, and, and we weren't platinum or gold, but we had good budgets. Laid it out, laid it out bought his right then there on the spot, started mastering that. And uh, I said, well, damn, and that means I'm going to leave the SP-1200 alone. And that's what all of us use, Easy Mo B, P-Rock. We all use that. that. That was the most famous drum machine besides the, eight, the Roland 808 and the 909 and the Lindrum. <clears throat> Next thing you know, I said, I'm going to do one more beat on this to say goodbye to the SP-1200. And it was taken personal. Oh, shit. See how, see how dusty and dirty it is? It's just... <laughs> That's the last beat I made on the uh, SP-1200. So when you're changing these machines, because this is like, I don't know what the f I've heard the, <laughs> I don't know what, is it, is it, would it be like the equivalent of going from a Mac to a Windows? How complicated yeah, is yeah, it Yeah, from, from a PC to a Mac, yeah. It's totally different because. You have to relearn it. Yeah, and that's the thing. I don't like learning new, new stuff. Same thing with Serato. You know, right. I mean, now I'm a master at it. Right. But when I'm happy with the way I am, I'm going to just keep it funky that way. It's like. You know, uh, it's, it's almost like how heavy metal is. I'm into. I love rock. I love new wave. You know, because I grew up in that too. I was I was here before rap. So, 
you know, I, I had my new wave phase. I was into all the new wave clubs, going to see Devo and the Smiths and Psychedelic Furs and Susie and the Banshees. I was going to all those concerts, you know, and just doing all the crazy stuff that they do there. You know what I mean? I was wild on the low, <laughs> you know. So during that era, um, you bring all that with you when, when you when you create. And then I used to always like how new wave artists always had B-sides. They would always have a song, and it would say unavailable on LP. And I'd always be like, well, damn, why isn't it on the album? Like, I'm one of those that'll be like, why, 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 why? You know what I'm saying? And then, and then want to understand why. Once I do, I'm like, well, shit, I'm going to do B-sides. Then Public Enemy would have a B-side, Rubble Wild a Pause. I'm like, damn, this ain't on the album. And, you know, until they came out with Nation of Millions. But it wasn't on Yo Bum Rush's show. But the, but it was on the B-side of You're Gonna Get Yours, which was on Yo Bum Rush's show. Prince always had B-sides. Uh, you know, just stuff like that. Special Ed would have a B-side, Ready to Attack, that wasn't on the album. So I was like, well, damn, man, we got to do the same thing. That's why we did Dwick. Uh. So it was a B-side. People used to be like, why isn't it on the album? It was a B-side. It turned into a hit. So we told the label to add it to Daily Operation, which they didn't do. Uh. So people were like, well, damn, why is it not hard to earn when Dwick is, is a couple years old? Because they we wanted them to add it to, uh, Daily, to uh, Daily Operation while it was still fresh. They didn't do it. So I was like, well, people, if they ever buy a Gangstar album, they got to find out one of them. So mm. I'm not going to do it five albums later. Let's put it on the next one. So that's why we threw it on Hard to Earn. That's it should have been on Daily Operation. That's dope. Another one of these medley songs that you did. Jay-Z, In My Lifetime record, uh, the intro medley, is, is one of my favorite Jay-Z joints because right. the way he's rocking, it's raw. The beats keep changing. You talking about a million and one? Yeah. Like, yeah it's and like, rhyme no more. Yeah. That was his idea. Motherfuckers can't rhyme no more. And then yeah. it, it, it flips. The yeah. beats change. Mm -hmm. When you were doing that with Jay-Z, is he actually not, nothing's written down? No. Where did the beat come from? Give me that process because it's like, you know, at that point, Jay-Z was famous, but who would have thought yeah. we'd be talking about Jay-Z? Like, he's like yeah. in a different planet now yeah. of fame and iconicness. Give me everything you got about the making of that song and the beat changing and like what it was like to work with a, like a Jay-Z in his first sort of prime. You know what I mean? Because he's went through three different, three or four different primes. Yeah, yeah. So what? You know what I mean? Like it's like when you thought it was over with Jay Z, he went to another level. Yeah. So what do you remember about that and specifically that song with the motherfuckers that can't one, rhyme no more? That one was totally, totally his idea. He called me and said, "I want to do this intro to the album." Uh, even when we were doing Reasonable Doubt, same thing. He would call me and he would rap the rhyme on the phone acapella. So with this one, same thing. He did the whole million and one verse for me over the phone with the idea. He said, and then I wanted to connect some type of way. He said, you know how you do it for breakdown things, <laughs> you know, and he goes, but I wanted to connect and then I'm going to go. And he said, I'm going to go, motherfuckers can't rhyme. And he said, when I say rhyme, I want to drop. He's very calculated on how he wants to do his thing. That's why his shows are tight. And uh, <clears throat> he was like, that's how I wanted to drop. So I said, all right, I'll meet you at D&D. &D. He said, yeah, because two shorts coming into town to work on a week ago. They were working on that, which was on that album. So, you know, and I knew two shorts from way back, but to see him in New York with Jay was like, you know, oh, wow, two shorts here in New York at D&D. &D. You know what I'm saying? So, that's crazy. So two short and him went in the D&D the, the, the had just built a brand new room because there's the A room, the B room, which I had. <clears throat> and the, uh, the the new the new room is called the D room for D and D. So Jay went in there to work with Too Short, uh, and uh, he said, "Let me know when you got the 
first part done and I'll come lay it and then I'll go back in there with two short and, and got the second part, I'll come lay that. So being that he gave me the idea, I already knew how I wanted to approach it. And he said it was going to be called a million and one questions, you know. And, then, and so right there, as soon as he said that, I said, Aaliyah. You know, like that, I'm like that where certain things, either a line or a title will make me think of a line or a scratch just on, just on some DJ shit. And I was like, that one in a million. And I said, I wonder if I took just a million and kind of flew that in as a part of the song. It might be sound kind of fly if I tune it right. And this is before auto-tune, this is before Ableton. This is just sonically knowing as, as, a, as a guy with a good, I have a good ear. <clears throat> and then I pitched it and I was like, damn, this works. Sampled it, kept hitting that a million, did it. Say, yo, I got the first part. He came in and goes, dope. Let's cut it. A lot of speculation on the monies I've made, honeys I've slayed. How is he for real? Is that nigga really paid? Monsters I've met or dealt with direct. Is it true he stayed in beef and slept with a tech? With the position you hold, can you really match a triple platinum artist buck by buck? But only a single going gold. Rockefeller shit foe, and you left out in the cold. Is it back to charge your motherfuckers 11 for a O? Goes in there and cuts it. No, you know, I've never seen him write anything on paper. They said, yeah, I think he did back in the day on, he said on paper bags, uh, and he'd lose the paper bags. I think that's what, when he said that's how he had to re start remembering stuff. But I've been in many sessions with him and never seen him write. It's him and Big, and then and then boom. Yo, you you fucked my <laughs> head up. You fucked my head up with that. You <laughs> fucked my head up with that because I, I listen. I didn't even know that was from an Aaliyah sample. Yeah, one in a million. I think that's my favorite song she's ever made. When I heard that, I was like, this Timberland guy is sick. Like, I, that's when I was like, I already liked him with Super Duper Fly and all of that, but when I heard one in a million and they were all in the game, Timberland was sitting in the car low with Missy and just the way she moved in the video, I was like, yo, this Timberland guy's about to be huge and he blew up. And then what about the, the beat change in that? You know, so he went back in the room with Too Short. Because he had already laid, you know, once he liked the beat and cut it, he said, let me know when you got the other part. So I'm just looking for samples. and uh, In the studio, <clears> you're doing this? Yeah. Everything's you're, you're, on you're the You're fucking spot. around with, like, you're playing records, like, what'll match up? Yeah. I still do that to this very day. That's why some people are like, You're fucking my brain up. <laughs> you're, that, you're really I mean, fucking my head up. Well, I never knew other, no other way to do it. I thought that's how everybody did it. Yeah, but you're fucking my head up, though. That's how I thought that's how every producer did it. So when some people like, you know, like now... If a producer uh, gets a gig or whatever, they're like, oh, and I'm going to send you 30 beats to pick from. And you'll be like, I'll take the third one and mm. I'll take number seven. And then do You don't song. do that. No. You come in there, come we work, in. we vibe, we're, we're, yeah. we're, we're making a painting. Yeah. A uh, blank canvas. All right. So it's the better. second beat in that, is he, like, so he's not writing. Is he, he knows what he wants to say? Because yeah. like I said, he did the rhyme over the phone before I even got Wouldn't to Wouldn't that have been a great Instagram moment? Yeah. That a broke Instagram. If you yeah. had that shit now, like like yo yeah. Jay's Jay's rhyming on this shit. Yeah, and, and you know obviously back then, cause Jay's a little younger than me, so I looked at him as an up and comer that deserves to get a shot. You know because I was already I already knew him from Jazz O because we were label mates. So Jazz O, every time I saw Jazz O at the label or any stuff that we had to all do together, sometimes me Hammer Vanilla Ice. Uh, Technotronic with a uh, pump up the jam with Y'all Kid K, Jazz, Gangstar, Arrested Development, D'Angelo. We always had to do like different promo stuff, so it was all label made stuff. And, and uh, Jay would be around with Jazz, so it was always, oh, what's up? It wasn't like, uh, oh, you know, I don't know anything about you, you know. So, and then I used to live on 183rd in the Bronx. So uh, when I lived up there before we got signed to a major, <clears throat> I used to always see Dame Dash. 
because he was he was dealing with original uh, original flavor. So Jay Z would be up in the Bronx. So I, I'd always see him up there with Dame. And then this is before they started Rockefeller. So, right. you know, and Dame be walking around. Did he have Rottweilers or Pitbulls? I think he had Rottweilers. Dame did? Yeah. Be walking his dogs. So he came in and he just laid down the rest of the song. Yeah. So, so with Round No More, once he went back in the room with Short to work, I'm a, you know, I would just say it myself, motherfuckers can't just hit the play button to see if it would hit. The way, because he had already said, I wanted to go motherfuckers can and then come on right on rhyme. So I already knew that's his concept. So I, I'm Guru always called me a beat tailor. He said, It's like I tailor, like a guy can look at you and go, Oh, you're tall, you're six foot and change. Oh, okay, yeah, you know what? I know what kind of suit you need. Where that suit may not look fly on me. I'm a little wider and heavier. It's like, all right, let's get Fat Boy a nice little suit too and make uh-huh. him look fly. So it's the same thing with me with my approach to a beat. So if you give me a concept ahead of time, I'm just giving you the theme music to match your, your vision. Be honest <clears> with <throat> me. Did you ever imagine? I mean, I think that one of the, th- the beautiful things about Jay-Z is that he took the dream and squashed the dream and took it to another level of totally. Euphoria, like the imagination of his idea of success couldn't have been this because I don't think it was even unimaginable for even a, a musician. Like he's beyond a rap star. Yeah. Did you ever imagine Jay-Z would be where he is now? Like, I mean, when did you see like this guy's fucking really on another thing of specialness? Mm, I mean, for me, it was really when he did Reasonable Doubt because I watched, I was there for the making of almost all of it. Like, you know, Irv Gotti would come by and lay his beat. Uh, nobody and uh, Sean and LV would come by and, and, and do that session. Ski would come do his session. And uh, a lot of it was done at D&D. So to see him put it together and the way, and he always knows how he wants it, you know. So even uh, a good friend of mine that lived in the Bronx, a younger kid uh, who actually is the one who gave me the Just to Get a Rep sample because his dad had it in his collection because they're Puerto Rican and uh, his father had that in his collection. He said, hey, yo, I think you could flip this. <clears throat> so shout out to DJ Red Handed, who was Jay-Z's DJ first. Mm. I've watched him rehearse, and Jay is the specific don't fuck up. Like, he's been like that since literally ninety. Mm. Don't fuck up. Don't fuck up. And I used to go to his shows. This is when he would just stand in the middle and just rhyme and have all of his punchline uh, freestyle joints to do to the crowd to have him laugh. And 22 twos, he would do that. And But you got to drop on cue with him. And then, and even when he did <clears throat> Summer Jam, when uh, he brought Michael Jackson, I remember uh, Bleak missed a cue. And he said, Bleak, you're not focused. Go. And then... Ja Rule's coming out to do Can I Get Her, and he didn't come out on his cue because somebody had distracted him backstage. And I remember he he came out, and he goes, yo, what happened? And he goes, yo, I, I was distracted backstage. And he said, you want to start it over? He goes, give it up for Ja Rule, y'all. And I'm like, see ya. I'm like, well, you know, this is when Ja Rule's huge. Mm. So he's like, give it up for Ja Rule, y'all. So you saw that studiousness, yeah, you saw and, that perfectionism. And he, and he said it again, yo, you're not focused. So that alone, I was like, damn, he is. he's he's still on it the same way as he was back then with Red Handed as a DJ before mm. any album was completed, did all the way to being a platinum guy with Hard Knock Life. This is on the Hard Knock, no, this is after Hard Knock Life, uh, when he brought Michael Jackson out, this mm-hmm. when he was this when he was doing the Blueprint, yeah, because Takeover was was uh, was on the Blueprint, so he was about to drop that album, and we hadn't heard the whole Takeover yet. So yeah, he, I was at that Summer Jam, you know, and we, I mean, I was with Freddie Fox and 
and uh, <clears throat> all the rest of my crew. And uh. I remember when Michael came out, we were even like, Michael, it's really Michael. That's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Michael can do it, can add that effect on you. Fuck you, yeah. You Especially at fucking summer yeah, jam. You could be, be a like, bully. You could beat up everybody you want and be hard. And we've been in many of brawls in my career. And and survived him, and Michael came out. Freddie Fox I, was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, dude, he'll tell you the same thing. Like, he was like, "Michael, <laughs> that was Michael, man." Shit, after that, I was like, "I'm not going no more summer jams." That's fucking. Crazy. I don't care who comes. I'm not going no more. I'm good. All right. Speaking of <laughs> uh, uh, great records, this is. I mean, documentaries have been made about this. Uh, the Illmatic record. Yeah. Uh, again, I can't go over mm-hmm. everything. You know, New York State of Mind. Um, this is an iconic record, the iconic production, you, Pete, Pete Rock, uh, Large Pro, Q-Tip. Who's overseeing that record? Who is like, all right, I want to get Q-Tip, I want to get Large Pro, I want to get Pete Rock, I want to get Premier. Who was sort of distributing it out? Because that was like a great team effort because you guys Mm. seem to all know this guy's special, talking about Nas. So so how is it sort of being distributed? And how did, what do you remember about the song and the songs that you did? Yeah, well, for one... I got to give Large Professor the credit. I always look at Large Professor as what I am to guru with Gangstar. I feel like he's the premiere to Nas. You know, like, it's like, no, I don't care if Nas does a hundred albums, always make sure Large Professor's on it as your, as your go-to. Automatic. Like, he can do one, he can do an, uh, an interlude, make sure he's on it. Because that's your whole base of us believing that you're that next dude because he gave you the sound. And I, I don't like when people abandon sounds that built them. You know what I'm saying? That's why I stick to that. There's some people, oh, Premier's just on that 90s shit. Uh, uh, he still does the same old thing. All right, you ain't got to listen to it. I like what uh, Angus Young from ACDC said. He said, man, somebody said, uh, <clears throat> he said, I saw an article the other day where they said ACDC does the same thing over and over 10 times. And he goes, that is not true. He said, we do the same thing 11 times. I was like, that's me. Right. I'm just a hip-hop version of right. that. <clears throat> and Angus Young is one of my favorite guitarists, and I'm a big ACDC fan. And he's an Aries, so, <clears throat> like me. So, yeah, we're on the same page. But, yeah, Large, I, we used to hang over each other's house before I even got signed to a major. We were still on the Manifest uh, uh, single, living off of that. And I remember... Uh, you know, Queens artists always get named rapper in front of their name. <clears throat> I remember Large Professor's like, yo, 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 Prem, man. You know, he, you know, Large always talks. He's the most New York sounding dude. <clears throat> By I mean, far. Like he's, a, and he goes, yo, Prem, your word, yo, I got this dude named the rapper Nas. He called him the rapper Nas. You know, just like there's a rapper Noid. You know, there's a, there's a lot of rapper uh, MCs from back then. He's like, yo, this dude, the rapper Nas, you got to hear him. We about to do this joint called Live at the Barbecue, and you got to check out this guy, Akinelli. I was like, all right. And uh, I had met Fatal once, you know, but <clears throat> even though, you know, he was on it, he he stressed the Akinelli and Nas uh, uh, direction of paying attention to them. Went over there, and he played me the record. When I heard it, blown away off the first listen. And then by the time it blew up and everybody was on it, then he did Back to the Grill with Search and then Search and them helped him get the deal with Faith Newman over at Sony. 
through Rough House and everything, and then plus they did Halftime with the Zebrahead movie, yep. which is the first time I ever saw you in a movie. Yeah, <clears throat> first time I ever saw me in a movie was the first time a Nas record played yeah. Halftime. So I, yeah. I was like, I'm proud of that shit. <laughs> so I, I, I went to see Zebrahead. Well, I, I went to see it for two reasons. The you didn't go to see it to see Michael Rapport? I did not. Well, I did want to see the uh, the interracial right. thing to see how that went. But the soundtrack she was, was hot anyway. Yeah, uh, the Boucher. Well, yeah, the Boucher was right. right. I'm uh, just yeah. fucking with you. Yeah, right, so then, just stay so, focused on Nas. So, <laughs> so from there, um, I think Lars Professor and Nas himself were choosing all of that. You know, like the only thing I um, was involved in was mastering the album, mm. and uh, Nas put it in sequence. He sequenced it in that order, I, and then I took it. I remember when I had to go pick up the last master because I had already we had all, me Pete and Q Tip had already done our songs, and then I, I went to go pick up the last song. And it happened to be Life's a Bitch. I had to go meet him at Chung King. Because I used to go to sessions with Nas and Lars Fessler and just watch them work. Just like, wow, this is so dope. And and just watching how Lars Fessler was making Ain't Hard to Tell. Then he'd make One Time for Your Mind and just making them like this. And I was just like, damn, man. It's still on the SP. And uh. I was just like, damn, Lars is ill. You know, so... Uh, he did. Nas wanted me to come get the final master so I could go to master it uh, and master this where we do all of our stuff. And uh, <clears throat> next thing you know, he's like, he's like, yeah, I want you to meet my man AZ. He said he just spit a verse, yo, play it for him, and they played it. And he goes, oh, and this is my father right here, oh Lou, this is my father right here. You know, he's like, he's about to play on the song, and I'm just like, wow, nice to meet you, you know. And uh, he plays the song, and I'm just like hearing that verse that AZ did. We were just like. This dude's about to be the next thing too, you know, because life's a bitch is just who doesn't know that verse. <clears throat> then his father goes in, does the horn parts. They bounce it to a dat oh. digital audio tape, which is what it was called. Thanks to Ice T, he's the first one ever had one that I saw in New York and uh, at the New Music Seminar, and he was like, "Yo, premiere, this is the new thing called a dat. It's called a digital audio tape. That shit was about the size of my turntable case." <laughs> I'm like, "What does that do?" He said, "You know how you jump on stage and record skip." He said, "This will play the beat, and now evil can can uh, scratch, and now the the beat won't jump." And I was like, "How much does that cost?" And he was like, uh, twenty five hundred dollars." But back then, it was like, "Wow, that's too much. I can't afford that." You know, that's but crazy. Yeah, my first show I ever did with Gangstar was with Tribe Called Quest. Queen Latifah, she brought Moni Love on stage because we didn't know who, we met Moni. I already knew, knew Latifah because of Flavor Unit because 45 King was doing the, the production for Gangstar before I joined. So we knew Latifah and her dancers, <clears throat> Kika and Al. And uh, recipes to La's mom to uh, mm -hmm. actually send her a text the day she passed. And she literally just texted me yesterday just saying thank you and all that stuff. So shout out to La. But, uh, yeah, man, uh, that that was our first show, and Ice T was a headliner, and and uh, you know, so I got to see Trial for the first time because I was hearing them be on the Jungle Brothers promo and all right. that, but you, we had never seen a, and then we heard a um, uh, description of a fool, right? But and Pubic Enemy on that, which was a B side, right. wasn't on the album, and uh, then we got to watch them perform all of them, Jerobi and everybody, and they wore their outfits that they wore in the video, they right. had that on, and uh, we opened up, it was us, then. And then uh, Tropical Quest, then Latifah. Damn. And I remember Special Ed was in the bathroom getting Moni to, motivated to do it because she was nervous to go on stage. And then when she came out and did that verse to Ladies First, the whole crowd went bananas. Like, oh, because, you know, different flow. She had to, you know, and she was she, real cute too. Yeah. And her voice. Yeah, and she had like the a, British accent, yeah. but when she rapped, she sounded American. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was there to watch all that Damn, shit. Damn, you, 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 that's a fucking lot of fucking memories. Yeah, man. I got the tape. I'm still looking for the tape. I have the videotape of all of that. You need to fucking pull that we're, 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 we're looking for it because I'm doing a, <clears throat> working on a documentary for Gangstar, so we're going through all my old tapes. They're, they're, they're in a safe place. We're, Good. we're, we're going through them so we digitize and Good. stuff. All right, yeah. so specifically <clears throat> New York State of Mind. That's a lot yeah. of pressure. Like, that's a lot of pressure, like New York State of Mind. Like, mm -hmm. the, the beat... The sound like New York State of Mind, Billy Joel, like like yo, New York State of Mind. Mm -hmm. Give me the the science. Give me the ingredients of the song. Clean, uh, blank canvas. Um, that was the second record I did. Represent was the first one, but yes. not the one on the album. It was a jazz bassline. And that was the first one we did. But then when Q Tip and P came in, and we were always in communication with each other. And I was like, yo, check out the beat uh, P-Rock just gave me. And I heard, and he already had it formatted with the Whose World Is This? Because uh, Nas asked him to sing it. And I was just like, yo, man, this is better than mine. I got to change my shit. So <laughs> I, I changed mine to the one that's on the album, which is really a remix. Because Nas liked the bass line one. I had to convince him, like, yo, this is definitely the one. He was like, I don't like this as much as the baseline one. I'm like, nah, this is the one. And we just kept tugging until we got it to where he went ahead and accepted that one. So once I heard The World Is Yours, then he, cause he had already tagged me to do three. And so, so you knew you were going to do three songs yeah, on the record? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the second one <clears throat> was New York State of Mind, and that's when he came in and, uh, um, we were just fishing through records. Me and him, just he's just sitting there, dropping. I'm just dropping the needle, and uh, I pulled up the Joe Chambers record, and I cleared it so I could say the name. You know, I don't like to get all sample, but we cleared it so it's Joe, yeah, everybody. Joe Chambers, everybody. Yes. And uh, we're thumbing around. And, and what's the first part? What's the Joe Chambers sample? Um, like the I, piano. What? Okay. Yeah. So when we just heard that, because first it goes. And then all of a sudden it goes, it just breaks down all of a sudden. <clears throat> you know, if you if you were just listening to that, I mean, it's really noisy. You would have been like, I'll skip the next record. But let it play for just a couple more seconds, and it just goes, it calms down. We both look at each other like, yo, wind that back. He said, you can flip that. I said, hold on. Put in my sampler to <laughs> my, my, my homie Pat, he said, he said, watching me do it, he said, I'm going, in the beat So he's always tripping off my eye. It's just a little funny, you know, just, and then all of a sudden you're playing, now it's doing that, you know, so. And when you're doing that, when you're making specifically like New York City, and you're hearing that, and it's sounding like yeah. fucking shit. Well, that's me just. Put it into the machine. So. But but you're you're clear. You have a clear set goal. You're not oh, like yeah, yeah, like yeah. you know like. But it has to sort of go to get to something. It's, I'm in the, I call it experiment mode. That's what I call it. I'm experimenting because it might not work. Only part I already had rolling was the ding 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 ding. ding. You know the the part at yeah. the beginning when he's like you know it's time straight out the fucking dungeons of rap. That part I already had. But that's all I had, you know. You so, just had that as a potential yeah, something. I was like, I want, I def, I, I'm very good at knowing what tempo I want it to be, and I was like, I already did 
uh, representing. That's more up tempo. But so I was like, I want to get one that's just. I like slow beats, you know, just because I drive a lot. I love driving and just blasting music. It's, it's, it's just a thing. Sometimes I just like drive for hours and just be by myself. Because you ride with somebody, they talk in the middle of it. It's like, oh man, sh- enjoy this. So I just drive by myself a lot and just blast my music. So and not my music that I make. I, I like listening to other people's. I stuff. got you. <clears throat> but um, so was that rhyme written? Was his verses? Nah, he, so he, then go ahead. So then what happened? So, so you- then um, once I got the, the the where I'm gonna catch it, he's like. And he starts writing. He always sits at the desk, and he always, I don't, I don't know, I still haven't asked him why does he do this. He starts doing this and going, blah, 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 blah. And maybe because while the music's kind of loud in the room, I guess doing this, you can hear yourself. Maybe, I never even say, yo, why do you do that? Uh, all the years I've known Nas, uh, at least from the those albums, at least the first three three albums we worked on, he's always at the front of the desk going, blah, 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 and just like, like he's rapping into his hand. Next thing you know, he's ready to cut the first verse. And once he cut the first verse, he did it in one take. And one one thing I love about it, which I've said in other interviews, is I love how he's looking at the paper. And uh, when he says straight out the fucking dungeons of rap with fake niggas, don't, don't make it back. I'm getting ready to count them in, but he's not looking. He goes, I don't know how to start this. And you hear him say that. I don't know how to start this. A monkey flipping with the funky rhythm. I be kicking, musician, inflicting composition of pain. I'm like Scarface sniffing cocaine, holding the M16. See, with the pen, I'm extreme. Now, bullet holes left in my peak holes. I'm suited up with street clothes. Hand me a nine and out defeat foes. Y'all know my stilo with or without the airplay. I keep some E and J sitting bent up in the stairway. I either on a corner betting grants with the CeeLo champs. Laughing at base heads, trying to sell some broken amps. G packs get off quick forever, nigga. Yo, you know, so he looked because my my booth is right here and the board is literally at an angle sideways. So I'm that close to just if I'm sitting there at the board, he's literally right here in the glass. So I'm sitting there going two, three, you know, like, let's go. Because I have it recording already. That's fucking dope. Yeah, because sometimes you get the best take from practicing it. Because if you practice it sometimes, you nail it, and then when you're ready to do it, now you're t- doing too much to make it exact. Too cutesy. You don't get the same. If you don't get the same feel, and I'm more of a feel person. If it don't feel right, I'm like, yo, let's cut it again. And ah, I could do it again. I'm like, yo, I'm the coach. I hear you. I'm listening to you. It's not better than that take. You know. I love this shit so fucking much. I can't <laughs> tell you how much I, I love. Like you, you making my heart race hearing these stories. I, I fucking love this shit. All right, and I'll say one more thing. To, uh, when I did uh, Memory Lane, I, I didn't like that one. He he was like, "Yo, I have enough hard stuff. Already. I have enough stuff that's in those vibes. I need something that just feels like we're sitting in the park." And that's what it was called. It wasn't called Memory Lane. It was called Sitting in the Park. And then I started scratching. Now let me take a trip down Memory Lane, and and I ended up coming out of Queensbridge. And I was like, "Man, we should call it Memory Lane." He said, "Well, how about we call it Memory Lane sitting in the park?" I was like, "I'm cool with that." You know, so that was that was his idea on that. You know, now, now I was very knowledgeable what he wants to do as well. So uh, I remember they laughing at the cover, the Reuben Wilson cover, going, "Look at this dude!" And they, they all his whole crew was in there laughing, and we like. You ain't gonna find someone on that, are you? And we're throwing around all some weird. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to make sure my stuff was on the level of what Tip 
Lodge and Pete was doing. I went to the uh, World Is Yours session and Red Battery. I remember when Q-Tip dropped off the cassette of him pause mixing the um, One Love with the Heath Brothers, which was cleared, so I can say it. It's not snitching. Uh, I remember when he, when he had it looping. You know, when you pause mix, sometimes it's looping. You know, it's like a stop. Start, but he had like, that shit down. We were like, "What? What? Where did he get the? What the hell?" Because I remember we had to go to for some reason we had to go to Puff to P Diddy Studio for some reason, and I told Nas I'll give him a ride, and he was like, "Yo, I want to hear it in your car," and we were just like, "What the hell is Q Tip on?" I was like, "I gotta top this one too." That's when I changed the represent to the one that's on the album. I was like, "Man, these guys is killing it." Everybody was bringing that A game because we all knew. If we're on it together, everybody's coming with the illest. That's know? fucking dope. So I was in competitive mode, like, man, I don't want to have the weakest song. So then that's why I kept fighting. I felt like New York State Mountain was the tightest one out of the three that I did. That That's fucking good shit. Shout to L.E.S. too, you know, for doing the Life's a Bitch. I mean, one of the most incredible records. Even though it was a known sample that we already knew coming up, it, it was still so needed and it fit right into all of our uh, songs. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, And he's QB. Um, the song I met you with, I, it doesn't age. It's so goddamn good. Come clean, right. J. Rule. Um, I almost feel like this was like a, a blessing and a curse because the bar was set so high on J. Rule with the Come Clean song. The video was dusty, dirty, shot in East New York, Brownsville. Yep. Do, 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 do. I'm not a musician. How quick do you know like this is this is a song? Like this is a right. fucking banger. <clears throat> like when you guys are in the studio and come clean and he's you want to what? Come up and like are you guys this is a this is a fucking hit. Yeah. Like this is a this is That was his demo. So we didn't really make it for putting out to the street yet. We were just making a demo and that was the demo. Guru used to put out these things called ill kid samplers. Um and he put three three artists on it. So this was the this was the the ill kid sample. He put Suge, Group Home, uh and J. Rue. And uh and Guru came up with the idea that we should start uh signing artists and he said, This is our homies, let's put put them on. So he said, uh Let's sign three artists each. I didn't have anybody in mind yet, so I said, who you want to sign? He said, definitely got to put Suge on since he founded Gangstar. He said, J. Rue, and he said, uh, and now Dap wasn't rapping yet. One day they did a demo when they were with Guru called So-Called Friends, him and Malachi, the Nutcracker. I was hanging with Mel. I was like a mentor to Malachi because that's when I met him in the Bronx. And... um when I lived there, and uh, he wanted to box, which is why he had that physique. You know, always had shirt off, big barrel chest. He was boxing for real. So um, uh, shout out to Buddy McGirt's team. They were actually training him to box, but he uh, <clears throat> he got two gun charges, and he got shot. So uh, he just uh, was taken so so out of the uh, <clears throat> context of being able to box. Um, he was fa- And he was facing jail time, so the judge, Judge Bamberger, big up, <laughs> if it wasn't for her, she, who knows what Melikai would be. But mm. she said, I don't want him doing anything violent. And I'm like, yeah, but Your Honor, for two years I went to court with, with my with our criminal lawyer. And she was like, I was like, Your Honor, why won't you let him box when uh, he can get paid for it and it's something he loves? She goes, because it's a violent sport. And I don't want him doing anything violent because he's already got gun charges underage. Under, he's, he's under 17. She goes, do you know what the word remand means? I was like, yes, I do. She goes, well, you do music, make him make an album. 
She goes, next time you come back to court, he better be making an album. I was like, oh, man. He was like, I don't want to make no record. You know, so. That's fucking. I had to pretty much force it to just like, man, we got to do it. Let's do this. And, you know, so that's how it became. That's bugged yeah, out. Yeah, pushing him to just just spit, man. Just say, say, say some rhymes, man. And then that's how it ended up being the two of them together. You know, when we heard Dab Rap, we was like, wow, Dab actually got a couple of lines. And his you voice. Know? Yeah. And I was like, yo, let's put you in the, in the studio and, and let, let me do a beat, you know, so. After so-called friends, the first one was superstar, and it, you know, we we were we we knew it was right. But when it came to who we should start with first, I said J. Root is the most ready out of all the demos that he did. I I just think I could make a better demo than the ones he was doing because Guru was producing all the demos. So from there, I did come clean. Give me everything on come clean. Are all the samples cleared? Yeah. What's we the got fucking- sued? I got sued, but now it's cleared. Okay. What's the do do? That's from Shelly Man. Uh, it's called. Uh, it's a, it's the very end of the album. Like it's a little itty bitty. Like how big? Like a, a second, two seconds, three seconds? Maybe, maybe almost a minute long. It's called Space. And that then, part. Yeah, it's called Space. It's, it's a cappella because Shelly Man's a dope drummer, and I'm into drummers. I'm into drumming and bass. And so you you listen to the end of the album, you hear this little piece. Yeah. What happened was when we were on the uh, Gangstar tour for Hard to Earn. And Onyx was really popping heavy. I used to always cut, uh-oh, heads up, because they're dropping some shit on two turntables at Soundcheck. And J-Rue was like, yo, man, we need to do a record with that as the hook. And I was like, cool. So we always kept that in mind that whenever we make a record together, uh, you know, even though we had done I'm the Man, but now his own first debut, I said, I'm going to use that as the hook. So I already went in knowing that's going to be the hook. But I didn't really know the tempo yet. I didn't know what I was going to use as a sound. But when J-Rue heard that, that sound, he was like, yo, that's it. That's it. And I was like, all right, let me finish it. And then he went in there. You want a front? What? Jump up and get bucked. If you're feeling lucky, duck, then press your luck. And there it is. Yo, on the front wall, jump up and get bucked. If you're feeling lucky, duck, then press your luck. I snatch fake gangster MCs and make them faggot flambe. Your nine spray. My mind spray, malignant mist that'll leave caught defunct. The results, you'll remain stuffed in a car trunk. You couldn't come to the jungles of the East, popping that gang. You won't survive, get live. Catching wreck is our thing. I don't gang bang or shoot out bang bang. The relentless lyrics, the only dope I slang. I'm a true master. You can check my credentials, cause I choose to use my infinite potential. Got a freaky, 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 freaky flow. Control the mic like Fidel Castro. And you guys knew, you had to know. Yeah. Because cause that <clears throat> song is so of the time. It's so grimy. It's such a banger. It's so New York. There. It's so Brooklyn. And the rhyming and the beat, like, it's just like, what is this shit? Mm-hmm. You know, and it doesn't age. No. It's a fucking classic. It's yeah. like Smithsonian level music. Mm-hmm. Hip hop, rap, whatever the fuck you want to <clears throat> call it. That's museum quality shit. Yeah, no question. Yeah, no, there's certain records I know they're they're gonna work. Not all of them, but like you know, like Mass Pill, we knew that's gonna work. Uh, Dwick, we knew it was gonna work. We ain't know it was gonna take off like that. Like we knew it was gonna be popping because it sounded like a, our first party record. Because we never really made party records. Nice and smooth, always gets the girls popping and everything. And even though girls went to Guru too, we still never really had records like that. You know, but <clears throat> Nice and Smooth ran that that territory. And uh, man, it, it was just a fun record. 
And uh, all of a sudden, Dwick just became like just like the national anthem of the summer. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so but but uh, like that, even that, like Don Barron from the uh, uh, Masters of Ceremony was there when we were making it, and Dub C was there right. from the West Coast. He right. was there when we were making that record. It's like you know, that's just, crazy. Yeah, Dub C, Dub C, yeah. Yeah, I had the turntable on a big old raggedy television that didn't work. I scratched on top of a television for the Dwick joint. Mm -hmm. Those old ones that your mama have with the with the, the old wood. And yep, everything. yep. Yeah. That you put a big old uh, vase on there, and it's like, yo, don't touch that. Uh, yeah. Do you think like it was almost like a, a curse that Come Clean was so good? J Rule made other dope songs, but mm -hmm. I mean, the, the fucking bar was set so high. Yeah. You know, I mean, not to say, I, I don't say it's a curse, but it's like the, the expectations is like are almost, they're hard to follow up. How do you follow um, up Come Clean? Like even with, you know, he had the bitches, you know, and, yeah, and the all The original and uh, Can't Stop the Prophet. They're all dope songs, but mm -hmm. like the fucking bar, it's like, I don't know how you top, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, we were more in album mode, you know, we're from an album perspective, so... Uh, I remember Biggie, you know, I used to live, I had moved from East New York to the Bronx on 183rd, then moved into Branford Marcellus' uh, house because he was about to be the uh, music director for The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. Jay Leno was just taking over for Johnny Carson, so <clears throat> he was moving, but at the time we were all living together, me, Guru, uh, Branford, and his wife, and his son, Reese, and uh, uh, so we, we had a nice couple of months living together with them. And during, before we tore the house up and mm. turned into the animal house, but <clears throat> during that time, I mean, it, it was just a, a a dope time where we would go down the, down the block. And I remember Mr. C lived close to us. Lady of Rage we lived with Nikki D because you know they were roommates. Um, Chub Rock was lived right by us, um, so we'd see them. And we'd see Big because he would see us always go. That's when we drank forty, so we'd always go there. Get by our 40s, the weed spot would be on the corner. We go to the weed spot, the one that has just the one Clorox bottle in the window and, and one, one, one Brillo pad box and everything. And then uh, we'd always see Big, and he was just like, Yo, man, I want to work with you one day. But it, it was like just a good time. But by the time we got to the point of Jay Rue popping, I remember Biggie said, Yo, man, if you ever do a video to Brooklyn Took It, I just want to stand next to you and just look hard and not say anything. And and uh, he was like, "All right, if I ever do that song, I'll, I'll make sure that happens." Even though we, because I I love Brooklyn Took It. Yeah, it just it's so dirty. Yeah, <clears throat> he his rhyme flow, the drums, the big L, the check it out, Joe. You know, just I love that song to mm. this very day. But yeah, we we were we we're from an album. Uh, standpoint of making records. We I got you. We weren't really a singles. I got you. Yeah, it was albums. Because I come from seeing singles as, as 12 inches only. And, and then later on albums came. You know, I got like, you. Like Run DMC's first album, the majority of songs on there were, were 12 inches first. So it was like when we got the album, it's like, damn, it's only three new songs. Right. You know, was, unless you get the instrumentals on the 12 inches, like, damn, it's not a lot of new shit on here. So it's the Grandmaster Flash Furious 5, same thing, the message. It's like most of these are already out. With minus one or two, then the album concept started to come later, you know, and then that became, well, let's make dope albums. The whole thing. Yeah, Prince was a guide of us to make dope albums. Prince, rest in peace, told me that Step in the Arena was one of his favorite albums. Fuck me up. I was with, uh, I was with D'Angelo. 
And he said, yo, go in that room. They were playing Tramps. Remember Tramps? Yeah. Yeah, they were playing Tramps. At the uh, club. Yeah, and then Prince was going to do a surprise appearance. D knew how much of a Prince fanatic I was, so he surprised me and said, yo, man, I got to go do a couple of interviews before the show starts. He said, uh, just go in that room right there, and I'll meet you in there. When I walk in there, Prince is standing there with Tretch from Naughty by Nature. And I walk, you know, Prince gives you that look, you know, with that. and you, you could be the hardest dude. You could be the, the killer. You see Prince, it's like, yo. That's crazy. That's Prince. And, you know, he and I and Prince already knew because I guess D had told him, yo, this guy's a big fan of yours. So when he walked in, he goes, yo. He's like, yo, man. <clears throat> Daily, I mean, uh, Step in the Arena is one of my favorite albums. And I remember Tretch punched me in the chest and goes, see, nigga, I told you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, see. <laughs> and I was like, yo, I'm solidified, man. You know, me and Guru are solidified. Prince said he like step in the arena. That's uh, fucking crazy. Yeah. And then my mother uh has a subscription to Essence magazine. And I remember, you know, they, what's their slogan? The magazine for today's black woman, you uh -huh. know, from all the Soul Train commercials when I was young in the seventies. And I it said, uh it said Sade is embarking on her new tour. What is your survival kit on tour? And she's like, oh, I need such and such hair care products. I need this. And they said, what albums do you take? And she goes, uh, Gangstar Daily Operation. Man, you can't tell me nothing. Yo, you're fucking Before my head up. Kanye did that record. They got already right. had done that in my I was like, ah, nah, nah, wait till I get my money, right? Because I was like, Sade's bumping our album. Prince said our second album is dope. We good. Man, all I would need is George Clinton and Bootsy after that. And that's it. And Michael. Right. I'm good. And Aretha Franklin. Minnie Ripperton, too. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Biggie. Big. Well, I mean, just everything's been said about Biggie, mm. as as it should be. Unbelievable. Ten. Let me just say, let me just, because I, I can't do everything with you. I can't do the whole fucking thing. I got a whole list here. I got two pages of lists. I got a highlight. I can't do it all. <laughs> I'm just going to throw this at you. Right. Ten Crack Commandments. Yeah. This is a concept <clears throat> song. It's a very yeah. specific song. It's fucking one, two, three, all the Ten Crack Commandments. Mm -hmm. What do you remember about the recording of that song? By the way, premiere, unbelievable, kick in the door. I want to talk about that sample. We're going to have to do it another time. Ten Crack Commandments. He doesn't write the shit down. Right. It's a very intricate song. It's not just rhyming. It's boom, boom, boom. It's the Ten Crack Commandments. Right. What do you remember about working with Biggie on Ten Crack Commandments? Well, for one, the original was really a promo that me and Jay were the damager did for Angie Martinez. I actually just posted it uh, during his anniversary of his uh, passing. Angie Martinez just posted on Instagram with her uh, explaining the story. Uh, Angie, when she was on Hot 97, she had a, a segment called The Hot Five at Nine. It's hot five songs at nine o'clock. Everybody uh, would tune into that. And then Angie was so popular that everybody you could think of would make in promos for her. Dope promos, almost like records. We made J. Rue was a big deal back then. <clears throat> we did one too. So again, if you listen to the scratches on Ten Crack Commandments, it only goes to five. You know, when the beat drops. You know, it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Then the beat drops. It goes one, one, two, 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 three, four, five. Then I do it again. One, two, two, three, three, four, five. Because we're doing a hot five at nine. 
I'm not going past that. Gotcha. And then right before the verse, I go back to one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There wasn't no ten because it was it was a it was a promo for the hot five and nine. Boom. Uh, I'll play it for you after we're done. Uh, the original uh, with the voice. And he's like, it's the Caliente Cinco Alanueve on Hot ninety seven with Angie Martinez. You know, so it was a whole tribute to her. Big heard that one day when she was playing it because you know she'll alternate promos. You might hear it three weeks from now she'll play it again because beating us with pop and they play they had one. Everybody had one. Wu Tang King Just from Warriors Drum he had one, and uh, they happened to hear it. I remember my homie was because uh, uh, the way Angie told it, it was pretty much a hundred percent accurate. The only thing that was missing from the way she told it was uh, <clears throat> Puff heard it too, and he was the guest up there that day. And my homie Danny was like, yeah, that's when we had pages. My beeper just keeps going off, going off. You know, back then, if you need us right now, what do you put in there? 911. Right. He's like, yo, Puffy's on the radio telling you to call him. I'm like, word. So I turn on Hot 97 because I'm driving in the street. And I'm listening. And, you know, he's doing regular chatting, kicking it and everything, him and Angie. <clears throat> I'm like, he ain't saying nothing about me. And, and then maybe like, oh, we're going to get into a song, you know, whatever, whatever. And then we'll come back with more Puffy. And he goes, yo, Premier, call me if you get this. Everybody has a warm line. Called the warm line. And he's like, yo, Big wants to do it. He has an idea for this that he wants to create over that beat. And I was like, well, you and Jay Rule got a little tension over the whole one day record we did. You know, so... And I don't, you know, I don't know if that's gonna work because uh, I'm, I'm riding with Rue. I was also riding with Rue during that time because I, I felt the way he expressed that record. And then I knew the some of the people that he mentioned that he had a problem with. I knew the reason why because we're, we're homies, so I, I knew the insides of that. So, <clears throat> um, being that that's the case, he said, "Well, just ask him." Because even him and Puff had had a little tension at the time. So I said, "You, you know what? Let me." Uh, let me call Rue and tell him what, what's up. And, you know, him and Big were mad, cool with each other. Yeah, all of us are cool with Big. Uh, uh, called Jay, Jay Rue and he he said, I told him what was up. And the first thing Jay Rue said, it was like, yeah, that's hip hop. Let him have it. Just like that. He wasn't like, ah, let me think about it or let me talk to them niggas. None of that. He was just like, yeah, that's hip hop. Let him have it. Cool. Puff. We good. I said, I'll bring the reel because the reel is already laid. The beat's already laid. So I'll just bring that same reel. To the to the session, brought it to the session, and uh, he, he constructed it and said he's gonna lay it to the next. He said he's gonna lay it in the next couple of days. And when I see the the notorious movie, I always go, man, that's a little off because when they play Sky's the Lemon, he's sitting there going, yeah, I'm the greatest. That was my session. That was Ten Crack Commandments. I'm not mad at it. It's all good, but that my song was really the last song he did. It wasn't Sky's the Limit. Sky's Limit was already done because they played me the album when we were doing Kicking the Door. They were playing me stuff just to let me hear how the album sound. And they played me the R. Kelly record. They played me the Buck Wild record with Story to Tell, the original Story to Tell before they had to alter the sample. I was there for all of that. So th this was the last record where I remember the lights were really dim. I, uh, he, he was recovering from the hip surgery, so he was on a walker. He had to sit in a wheelchair to, to cut his vocals. And I remember C's... We everybody was hungry and C's like yo I'm gonna go to McDonald's and get some food and I remember Biggie goes I hope you get robbed on the way to McDonald's and I was like Big why would you say that he said cuz man look at me I'm fucked up in this and you know like <laughs> you know like you said uh, in the rounds so a little C's crippled me so 
you know, even though he was being funny about mm-hmm. it, it was just still a, a funny thing. Because of the car accident. Yeah, so, yeah, you know, but it, it was all laughs. Me, him, Gussie, Gutter, <clears throat> we were all just lamping, and he cut the vocals in there. And I remember when it was over, he goes, my album is finished, Bream. It's over. He said, I'm the greatest. So that's why when, they, when I saw it in the movie, I'm like, that was my session. Okay. Uh, you're giving me so much shit, Preem, that I'm, I'm like, you're fucking my mouth up, like my face up. So specifically with the rhymes to that song, mm-hmm. when you were watching him do it, and it's so intricate, like I said, it's not even, like, not that the other ones weren't, but it's a concept, and, the, yeah. you know, you know, and he's breaking the shit mm-hmm. down. Like, and the concept at the time, the Ten Crack Commandments, and it's Biggie, and it's Biggie at this time. What was he like in the booth, like watching him rhyme? You've you've seen everybody. You right. you've seen so many fucking people. I can't. I, but watching specifically, what is your memory of watching the notorious Big Biggie Smalls rock in the booth? What is the lasting thing in your head specifically uh, with with Ten Crack Commandments? Well, for that one, for Ten Crack Commandments, it was different because he had to get in a wheelchair and sit down and rap. Where when we did Unbelievable, he was standing up because he wasn't, you know, he hadn't broken his head. He hadn't, his hip wasn't broken then. He so. was literally in a wheelchair he, when he did yeah, 10 Crack like, Commandments? Yeah, like he'll, he'll, he'll go to the booth and on a walker, and they'll, they'll help him walk. Because he even said, Preem, my first single, Hypnotize, which he played me, he said, by the time we shoot this video, I'm going to dance in it. I'm, I'm, gonna get my, I'm going to physical therapy, and I'm going to dance in that video, which he does. You know, so because he was like, yo, I'm, I'm because he couldn't really stand on his own yet. So, you know, they would help walk him to the booth, sit him in a wheelchair so he could spit his verses. So to for him to say, man, I'm going to dance in that video. And he had already passed before we saw it. When I saw him walking and, and dancing, I was like, yeah, man, you did what you said you set out to do. And you did it. <clears throat> and then uh, once he cut the verse and said it was over, the only thing I did was I was like, well, I got to add a 10 because it wasn't intended to have a 10 anyway. And I just took the, you know, the, the thing with the launching pad for the, the, the NASA team on his 10, 9, 8. And it just something about that 10 just mm. worked. You know what I'm saying? That's why the 10 sounds different. Plus, Chuck never went to 10 on Shut Him Down anyway. This is good. All right. I'm going to skip ahead. I was going to ask you about MCs act like they don't know. I was mm. going to ask you about the showbiz and AG Next Level. I was going to ask you about one of my favorite songs, the OC joint, My World Off of Jewels, which is mm. a quintessential New York song. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, oh, 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 it's Brooklyn and just, he's just New York, period. I mean, and when he comes on, when he starts rhyming on that shit, you're like, this is another one. Yeah. Like, you know, and and, and that's a guy who, you know, is sort of like, you know, uh, that, that record, <clears throat> um, uh, uh, it, it didn't pop up. Like, you know, it was like, yo, this dude's going to be the next. And I don't know why. It's so fucking long ago. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't sell. Or what, like, but we thought, like, this is going to be the next Nas type of, like, this is going to be the, the next Man. dude. But I, I, I can't keep you here all fucking day. I talk about the Joey Badass shit, the fucking most deaf shit. Uh, That's one of my favorites. The, the mathematics? Yeah, I don't have a lot of favorites because I, I don't like to sweat my own music like that. But mathematics, I was like, this is creative. Why do you it's say it's one of your favorites? So, it's not. It's like off but on. Just that. It's like that makes me just be like, yo, I got to get in the car and drive. I want to annoy people. Turn it all the way up and just be like, boom, 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 bam, 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 bam. Like that's how it gets me. If I and I always judge my records as a listener. I don't judge my records as, oh yeah, I'm premier, I made it. I judge it like, yo, what I. 
bump this. If I heard this, would I be like, ooh, or would I be like, yeah, it's okay. If it got me where I'm like, I don't care if everybody hates it, it's dope, period. If I like it like that, it's dope. <laughs> you know, and that's not a cocky thing. I just I just feel what I feel. And again, you know, I've seen people sit there and be like into this shit going, woo, and I'm sitting there like, that's not hot. <laughs> but, I got you. <laughs> but they they but if they they're feeling it, they're feeling it. Even the fucking the Limp Biscuit song with Meth and Red. Yeah. This is a big fucking huge song. <laughs> I could ask you so many questions about MOP, uh, another one of my favorite Good groups. Good times with them, man. Always good times. With I them. mean, they're like fucking heavy metal, hard rock. They they make you ready to like. Yes. That's like that's like fight yeah. music. I look so forward to when we go in the lab. It's always dope, fun, cracking jokes. Yeah, the nice. energy. Yep. I'm gonna that's rattle not, these. That's when I got my fighting skills really up to par with MOP. <laughs> yeah. MOP is like fucking oh, fight yeah, they're, music. They're, 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 like they're, they're no, I'm talking about just because they are actually like if uh, if some if drama was starting, they were like, yes, they're not. You know me, I don't want no drama. I, I'm not like, oh man, now I gotta fight somebody. They're like, yeah, a fight. You know, so they really are their records. They are they are what they so they are the mash out posse. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I, rattle. I lived these, it. I lived it. I'm gonna rattle these questions off to you. <laughs> I'm not gonna ask you your top five MCs because you've worked with everybody's top five MCs. I'm gonna ask you this. Okay. Premier's top five MCs that you never worked with. Ooh. I'm proud of that question. That's a good fucking question. Oh. Um, Premier's yeah. top five MCs that you can never I, worked can with. Can I not put them in order? Just Any to say, order. Just say five. Yeah, the top five that, that they never like, worked with. Uh, Ice Cube, he's incredible. Cube, uh, Ghost Face Killer. That's crazy. That I can't believe you never worked with him. Love Ghost. Uh, Drake. That would uh, be sick. Um, dirty him up. Mess him up. Yeah, he's Get, around, he's around the dirty shit. I no, he demos. Listen, before dude, he you know was, he, he was knows what's the, up. Yeah, no, that he, would yo you and Drake would be yeah, fucking stupid. Yeah, I've always been a fan. I, I don't understand why people hate on him. He makes banging ass records. He makes listen consistent as fuck. Like oh everything he's been doing is just Drake right, Primo. Man. Yeah, do the whole a, record. Yeah. So what's, what's up, Drizzy? Drake Drake <laughs> Premier record. I'll be on the front lines because I've talked shit about Drake. I, I always say, you know, people like Jay-Z and all of them, Nas, everybody, it's, it, it's this is again from the perspective of a fan. It's not Premier talking. A fan. They've accomplished everything from radio to club to getting the girls to the money. They can do whatever they want now, and it's all it's all good. So I like when, when they all come back to just raw I agree. roots and just do a raw album to show that Man, with my eyes closed, this is what I'm still gonna. It's almost showing that like you may have been a Super Bowl champ and, and or, or or an iconic basket NBA champ, and you can still hoop. You can I still totally fucking throw a agree. Nice lefty and a nice pass in the end because zone. you know have like and also it yeah, balances it out. It balances it out because absolutely we're we're always gonna be older. But like I'm like uh, Drake, uh, Eminem, Jay Z. Uh, the the guys that are still uh, Nas, all of them. You're doing with Dayla, which I'm gonna get to. Mm -hmm. Like I'm like balance it. Like yeah. Jay Z can do whatever he wants. Whatever Eminem could do whatever he wants. They're not doing it for money. Yeah, like Jay said, he could drop a state dud. It's still still you know he's still gonna blow up. Okay, and, you know, but it won't be a dud though. But okay, yeah. so that's three. So that's three. Give me two more that you never worked um, with. Did you ever work with Busta Rhymes? Yeah, I'm on his new album. Okay, uh, it's coming out. Yep. 
Um, Two more that you never worked. You worked with KRS One. I can't. I, mm-hmm. I, I, MCs act like they don't know a fucking ridiculous song. Uh, Melly, M- Melly Mel, Melly Mel, with the Furious Five, and we've talked about doing something. I just just never have gotten to make it happen yet, but we we will. Okay, um, one more. Uh, LL. He's another one. He doesn't even need to rhyme. That goddamn show that he's on. He's making so much money off that. Oh, with the lip sync thing? The lip sync, that wasn't even thinking about that. The fucking CBS, NCI, whatever. Oh, yeah, NCI. The money's yeah. coming in on yeah. top of the money. Love LL. The ladies. LL, I'm just going to make a public plea. LL Cool J, <laughs> premiere, 10 songs. I love his new channel, too, man. Uh, you know, he took over back. Rock the Bells Records. Rock the Bells Radio. Rock the Bells Radio. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's a great list. Now, we talked about the jazz. And how you win anti-jazz. And and this could just be, this doesn't even have to be so specific. I want to say anti. I know, I yeah. know, but just I, I you went away mean. from it. Because I, 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 I get it. Give me, even this is for people that like jazz but want to learn more about mm. jazz. So mm. it doesn't have to be so intricate. Premier's top five jazz artists that if you've never listened to jazz, you should listen to. Like school of young people. Mm. Like you should listen to these five. I'm a huge Stanley Clark fan because I play bass, so... You gotta get Stanley Clark, you know, like, you know, like Rocks, Pebbles, and Sand, or even I Want to Play for You, which is a double album because you get to hear him live, but it also has studio recordings on it. Stanley um, Clark, yeah, Stanley Clark. Uh, <clears throat> I would say uh, definitely Coltrane. John Coltrane is a must. Uh, who else do I like? Um, I like uh, I like I like Charlie Mingus. Big time, uh, just that's in the house, in my parents' house. Mingus, um, I would say, uh, Art Blakey, and um, that was that four. Mm-hmm. And I would say, um, it's not deep jazz as far as like the traditional, but uh, man, shit, anything from Brand from Marcellus or Wenton, yeah. Okay. Which, which they're traditional. I was gonna say the Crusaders. Okay. Which is what I was getting at, but but you know, Branford schooled me on a lot. So, you know, I spent, I watched his shows, then I saw him leave jazz uh just for a hot second and play with Sting when he came out with the Dream of the Blue Turtles, and I was like, wow, and, and he was getting flat for everybody. Oh, I can't believe you're abandoning jazz to play with Sting, and it's like, yo. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's an it's an extra extension of what makes them great already. What the fuck is the problem? You know, so you know, I've had people say, I can't believe that I've said I've been a fan of Drake and people hit me on Twitter like, How could you like him? And it's like, how could I not? Mm. His records are dope. Mm. Like, you mad cause your girl likes it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Shit. Make her happy, man. <laughs> make her happy. <laughs> um how do you listen to music at this time? You've made so much. You're such a fan. How does Premiere listen to music at this time? And are you able to listen to music without sort of busy, being busy and he, he, listening for a loop or something? Mm-hmm. So what's what's your favorite way to listen to music? And are you able to just listen? <clears throat> yeah, it just switches all the time. Like driving up here, I was listening to U2, the old U2, like... You know that you know during I was very in a rebel mode back in the in the eighties, so I was really into October and the uh, Boy album and the War album. <clears throat> then I went to go see them perform during that era, the late late eighties. So I, I really 
became like the biggest YouTube fan. You know, I think some of the newer stuff is a little not YouTube, which is not a diss. It's just doesn't sound. It's like, it's like, man, let me in there to kind of because they're so ill and they're, they're great performers. Would you be able to produce a YouTube album? That's anybody. You, yeah, anybody I'm a fan of, I could do it. Because you yeah. you understand the chamber that it totally, is. Totally, totally. Yeah, because I'm a again. I, I go. I range my my range is there from as I said from the Smiths. You know, I'm a big fan of Morrissey. I, I even went to his concert a year before last, and he, he, he tore it down, and Blondie opened up. I didn't even know she was opening up. And they were like, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Blood the Garden. It was packed. And, you know, and this is Morrissey and Blondie. They're like, give it up for Blondie. I'm like, oh, shit. And she tore it down. Tore it is down. Is that something you would love to do? Just like if one of these groups or a new sort of, you know, new wave group, and you're not doing hip-hop with it, like would you? You're Totally. That's fucking yeah, dope. Because I get it, and I know, again, I, I'm one of those. It's, it's just like when they bring a new coach in. Yo, we're going to revamp this team. We're going to get that ring. I'm the same way. Like, I don't sit there going, what can I do to make this right? I'm already like, I know what y'all need. Right. Like, that's how I come in with that. Right, you're not going to be like a YouTube nah, with like a break beat. Nah. I, I totally know. Even if I incorporated some hip-hop elements, I wouldn't do it to where I'm, I'm looking to change No, them. I got you. I wanted to sound like you I got you. That's fucking that cool. That had me open on them. That's you know? fucking cool. Yeah. That, that you're like... It just I would love to hear some shit yeah, like that. I'm a that. concert fanatic, man. Van Halen. I, I went to Van Halen concerts when David Lee Roth, before he left the group, you know, before Sammy Hagar took over, I was there. And then we're talking about like, you know, I've been going to concerts since 1975, uh. 74, because my mom and I were concert buddies. Like, any concert, me and my mom were going. Rufus and Shaka Khan, Ike and Tina Turner. Tina Turner brought, actually had to... Make an announcement that I got lost because I'm I'm there with my family and I wandered out in the, in the aisle and started moving around, you know, being sneaky. Couldn't remember what aisle I was in. Started crying. The usher took me to the front of the stage and they were like, "There's a little boy lost." And Tina Turner, you know, makes the announcement and I'm up there on the stage like it's me. And they, and my parents, they say, "Whoever the parents are, come get them and they come say, get this fucking guy <laughs> here." That's crazy. You know, and they came and got the fucking guy. Um. <laughs> all right, Prime with Royce. You did the Which Way Is West with MC8. Yeah, Gia. Why are you making these records with just one artist? Um, what do you like about doing a full record with one artist? And who else would you like to do that with? You know, like, because I love it when it's you mm -hmm. and a person. Yeah. And you guys just zero in on, on a goal and a sound and a full record. Yeah. Uh, Aiden and I were friends back in 89. Uh, my first trip to L.A. to Long Beach. And we did a show that <clears throat> turned kind of violent. You know, so that was my first experience with, with, with the West Coast getting wild and gangs and all that stuff. And, you know, I, when I met Eight, you know, I was already cool with Dub. <clears throat> and I was cool with Cube already. And uh, recipes to crazy tunes. Uh, Dub's brother who passed, and he was Ice Cube's DJ. Um, he still is Ice Cube's DJ. They they don't put any DJs on the on the stage no more, but they just leave the turntables empty. But the, you know, which is dope. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, I met Eight. We've been friends for a long time. He he was on the Hard to Earn album. You know, I did remixes for the Compton's Most Wanted with Def Wish, and then next thing you know. I was doing an album for Black Poet, who was signed to me for an album in 2009, and we did a remix to his single, and we ran into eight um, when I did the remix, and also an artist named Young Melee, uh -huh. who's signed to, to Dove C through 
Ice Cube's lynch mob uh, imprint. So, you know, this guy, young man, he's at Tech the Young off now, but there's a couple, <laughs> there's a couple of melees out there, uh, one from the East Coast, and there's a melee Sparks, you know, there's other melees, but this one, this dude's a beast on the mic. Like, man, like he, he, he's got it. He's, he's totally it. Look, look out, look for young, young man. I'll even give you a folder. Okay. He spits. Okay. He's, 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 he's uh, every time Dub does a show now, the guy that's the hype man with him, that's, that's Melee. Okay. Uh, he was actually uh, one of the characters in, uh, uh, St. Andrews for the, uh, the video game. Okay. Uh, years back, but he's a problem. But anyway, uh, so when I ran into eight, I was like, yo, watch out on the remix. And I said, what are you doing now? And he said, oh man, um, I got a whole bunch of demos, but they're just scattered everywhere. I said, can I hear them? He let me hear them. And I was like, yo, man, some of the mixes are bad, but if you want me to kind of help, send me everything and let me pick the best ones that I think are tight, and I'll mix them down for you. And uh, just as a fan and a longtime friend, and that's what we did. For Which Way is West? Mm-hmm. Because uh, I only produced three. But I, I, you know, I scratched on every one, and... He, he would get all the artists on and be like, yo, I just got B-Real on one. Yo, I just corrupt just did one. He sent it to me or, or we'd see each other in Cali. Next thing you know, we shaped it and it sounded like an album. And then it wasn't hard to break his fan, uh, the, the sales of it, which it actually did very well um, because his fan base was already built. Right. So we didn't have to reintroduce him. Everybody was reaching out to us. All the PR was like, yo, we want to do an interview with eight. We want an interview with eight. And he started popping up again. Bing, bing, bing. So... It was just a no-brainer with him. He's already solidified. And the Prime Records. Prime was an idea that was brought to us by Mike Herrod, who works at Shady. Um, I've known him from way back when he had a label out and uh, in the early 90s. And uh, <clears throat> it was really supposed to be a Slaughterhouse album, a Slaughterhouse EP. And, and you were going to produce the whole thing? Well, with the sound of Adrian Young. Gotcha. That was the that was the whole pitch. You don't get to sample no records from anybody. You're only going to use Adrian Young's sound and make your own beats from just his sound. And I was like, I don't want to do that because I'm known for digging for them dirty records or whatever. So I passed on it. Uh, as time passed with them, still Royce kept nudging me, "Come on, Prem, like this would be a good, good thing." And it, and it was just to do an EP to stall while they finished the Slaughterhouse album. <clears throat> so as time passed. Everything just kind of started getting disconnected to the degree of where Royce was like, yo, if would you be down to do it if I just did it? And I was like, yeah, because me and Royce have been just making bangers every time. So it, I already knew comfort zone wise it would work just like that. So I said, but I still want to do it with me sampling. He said, yeah, but that's not the idea. And we weren't called Prime yet. It was just Royce and Premier. <clears throat> but he said, but that's the concept. I was like, all right, met Adrian. And then I already liked Black Dynamite, which he did the soundtrack and scored. So I already liked that movie. So he said, I'm going to just send you all my instrumentals of all my albums that I've released. And you do what you want to do. And I'll stay oh. away. I, I'm not I'm not going to get involved. And I started listening to sounds. And I was like, damn, I can actually freak that. First beat I did was the song Prime. We didn't have a title for it. I'm in L.A. Uh, Royce was was recovering from uh, being sober from his alcoholism so he was still fighting that and he hadn't rapped in a while so I was like man I wonder, I've wonder. i known him for all his, his his years of being drunk so uh. I was like damn I wonder if he can still rap nice sober cause you never know sometimes you lose your swag so uh, this is the first record I gave him the beat I said tell me what you think he said yeah let me see if I can write something to it I'm in LA I'm on my way to uh, pack my bags cause we're going back to New York me and my, my manager and my tour manager I was hanging out with Joaquin Phoenix, 
uh, the actor and uh, my man John Abrams was an actor and uh, they uh, they had introduced me to uh, he asked me if I, if I could meet Joaquin Phoenix he wanted to meet me I was like cool so when I met him we, we met and this is during Golden Globes uh, in LA he goes yo I have a friend that says she knows you really really well she's hiding behind the curtain Oh fuck! And I'm like, yeah, and that's never. That, I yeah. don't like questions wait, like wait, that. Wait, wait, we're in a dark hotel. Yeah, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I don't like surprises. Yeah, I, especially from a friend. From, she surprises. said she knows you very well. Yeah. I don't, where's this going? Well, it turned out to be dope, though. Yeah. Okay. So, so go ahead. And so we could we met at a hotel, really dark. Yeah. Where, nah, no, I don't, no one know. So when I turn around, it's Amanda Demi, who's Ted Demi's yes. wife, who started the Young TV Raps. I'm like, I haven't seen her in years, and we're like, ah, what's up? She was like, yo, you know, I do photography now. I do this and that. I do some really wicked shit. And she said, you should check it out. Once we checked it out, um, <clears throat> I was like, you know, I'll keep you in mind for some work. Now, the next day, the Golden Gloves just happened. And, of course, after that, there's after parties. Right. We're leaving the next morning early, like 6 in the morning. Uh, Johnny and Joaquin text me and go, yo, Diddy's doing a crazy after party right now. You should come. I'm like, you know. Who's not gonna go to a puff party? Right. I'm like, yeah. So I tell my manager and them, yeah, let's go to the party. He's like, you know, we gotta leave at six in the morning. I'm like, I'll sleep it off on the plane. <clears throat> right when I'm about to walk out of the room, uh, Royce texts me and says, yo, I just sent the lyrics to the first song. I was like, okay, I'll listen to it later. Then I was like, you know what? Let me listen to it now and see if he's still dope. Oh, I downloaded the, uh, the uh, MP3. Soon as he came on, gather round, gather round. Oh. And I was like, yo, he sounds the same. Gather round, gather round. Witness the memoirs of 5'9 being read as he sees it fit. Police sirens behind him while he's driving instantly causes butterflies in his stomach, even though he's legit. Now, brothers and sisters. I was like, and he kept saying, prime, prime. I'm in my permanent prom in the hook, and I was like, let me write this pray prom down. Uh, just, uh, as a, just as a tentative title. Went to the party, had a ball, come back. Royce is like, yo, would you be down to call ourselves instead of Royce 59 and DJ Premier uh, like a group name? And I was like, well, what do you want to call it? He said, why don't we call ourselves Prime? And I was like, he said, but we're going to spell it P R, but the P and the R are capital, H Y M E, a lowercase. P is for premiere, R is for Royce. And then H-Y-M-E is just everything, hip-hop, everything. I was like, I like that. So that's how we ended up. That's why on the prompt two, just for the people that may not know, I was like, let me just reiterate what this means. Right. Because some people are like, yo, this don't sound like you. This don't sound like the way you do your beats and digging in the craze. No, it's a concept album. I'm stepping outside of my regular box. Now, when I do other people, if it's not a prom project, I go back to digging and I got doing you. beats the regular way. But this is a prom project. So the creative part is we take one guy's sound and I make a flip of it with the premiere way. First one was Adrian Young. Next one was, was Ant-Man Wonder. Next one might be Judy Woody. Right. If it's Judy Woody, I'm going to take all those sounds and flip those. I love that. Only for prime. I got you. Yeah. Um, what can we, what can I expect? Oh, I got fucking- not, not to cut your wisdom. And because of that, then Amanda was like, yo, let me do the cover. Mm -hmm. She ended up doing the prime cover with the cracked mm -hmm. faces. So she, we, with the second album, we was like, yo, let's get Amanda again. That's dope. So just from running into her, thank you, Joaquin. Thank you, John Abrams. Because of them, 
Amanda has done both of our covers, and you see she does really creative shit. Stupid shit. Yeah, she did Tori Wolf, who's our singer-songwriter, too. So shout to Tori. Yeah. De La Soul, I saw a text or something on fucking line. Yeah. And I didn't have your number. I hit Pete. It said, De La Soul record produced by Premier <clears throat> Pete Rock. Yeah. Is this true? How far along are you guys into it? Is it just you guys? De La, Pete Rock, Premier. That's what I want. Mm -hmm. What is that? We haven't done anything yet. We've done the... I'm going to get you, motherfucker. The, be, Pete sent me some stuff. I, I, when we're off, I'll show you some stuff he sent me. And I'm like, you asshole. Because it, we got to outdo each other. Good. We got to outdo each other. It's back to Illmatic again. Good. <clears throat> yeah, it's back to Illmatic. So, and, and you guys could sample <clears throat> and all that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so so my final question, I'm going to let you go. Yeah, we were just structuring some of the, the, the BI and everything and, and stuff like that. So, And I've had other albums I needed to finish. My NYG's album uh, that I needed to finish. <clears throat> I, had a, I have a, a couple of surprises that, that, that I needed to finish that are going to be uh, coming out soon. So, uh, And then with Daylight, it'll be easy anyway because... Again, I know what to do with them. Like, but Pete already said, well, "Well, I'm already starting," and he's sending me little video clips. Good, and I'm like, "You oh, good? You know, I want you guys to fucking get funky." Woo. Where is sampling today? Because you know, I still I, do it the same. We still, I clear samples. Oh, but but in, in terms of pr production, like I talk a lot of shit about rappers, and and we could blame the rappers, but it starts from <clears> the production. Yeah. I feel like more so than the the art of MCing is gone, even more because there's talented MCs. The production is is suffering. It's always the beat, man. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care how nice you are. It's the beat. Because a lot of dope MCs, they don't it's have dope songs. They, beats. Yeah, and yeah. I'm not naming names. Some of the there's there's, there's some, a lot. A lot of dope rappers. They didn't make Same. a lot of dope Dropping songs. Dropping dope lyrics and everything. I don't know the if it's their sucks. people around them telling them this is a dope song. I'm like, this ain't a dope song, dude. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what you say. Absolutely. I agree. I agree. All right. Listen. I totally agree. Listen. And I'm not afraid to tell them if they want my opinion. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'll say, yo, I'm not. I, it's listen, the beat. We're not, I'm not excited in the studio. If you're not excited in the studio, no one else is going to get excited. All yeah. right. This Shout is out to Ferg, man. When he came here. Just on the spot. We made it right there on the spot. He watched me make it, and then that's what we made. That's a banger. That, and I was just seeing if we could click. And from blank canvas, he was watching me bring bring it back, and next thing you know, we put that out, and it made, made, made a nice little dent, you know. And he said, make a preem beat. Don't make, don't make plain Jane. Don't, you know, don't make shopper ranks. Make preem. And that's what I like too. He came in and and wrote it to my beat, and it sounds like we made a good joint. Right. Yeah, I love that record, man. All right. I am, rap, I am rap poor stereo podcast. With, to be continued. With Preem, Premier. What can I say? I broke the rule <laughs> rule number one of the I am rap poor stereo podcast, which is fact check. <laughs> I had to do it. I appreciate you rocking with me. Yeah. Anytime. Motherfucking Premier. <laughs> <laughs>